Hello, welcome to Too Sick and Naked Healing Out Loud, where we vulnerably discuss the ups and downs of healing from illness. Each episode, I interview a brave guest who has extensive experience with illness and or wellness, and hopefully we will leave you inspired to warrior on as well as highly informed about something new. You guys, this episode is so dope. I felt so inspired to do all sorts of things after talking to Amy, like reread The Alchemist, go back to Kundalini Yoga, buy some new crystals. Amy is such a love and a wealth of knowledge around all things energy healing and self-love. In this episode, you'll find out how and why she became the intuitive healer she is, what her suggestions are to people with chronic illness, and best of all, you'll hear about why we chose the weekly challenge, three minutes a day of self-reiki. Amy shares how to do that and what the benefits are. Remember to find my weekly challenge posts on my Instagram at shayjackie or at nakedshay. Subscribe, rate, review on iTunes, and follow me on twosickandnaked.com. I'm so excited. Excited. You have to let me know what you think of this episode and what you're going to take away from it and how you're going to up your healing. All right. See you there. Hi, beautiful friends. Your host, Jackie Shea here. Thank you for listening and congrats on taking your precious health into your own hands. I'm so, so excited for today's episode with Amy Bello. Amy's uh, practice named Altered Space, is located in Topanga, although she teaches all over Los Angeles as well as Vegas, Chicago, and abroad. Amy is a kundalini yoga and meditation instructor, a master Reiki crystal healer and teacher, and past life regression and intuitive guide. Hi, Amy. (laughs) Hi. That's That's, it. That's that's, all I do. That's a lot. (laughs) I know. It was like, oh, God, there's so much to talk about. Um... So I love your story about how you ended up in the world of, of healers. Mm -hmm. Um, you were a middle school English teacher Mm -hmm. in Chicago. Yeah. And a high school counselor and a high school counselor. Yeah. So being like a healer and energy healer and Kundalini yoga teacher were not things that were on your radar. No, definitely not. Although, you know, what I do now is teaching and guidance but just not in that generic kind of idea of it. Like you have a teaching degree or certification, and so then you're just going to teach children or adults um, and a subject matter that is like typical in a school system. And so I am utilizing the skills that I went to school for, but in a completely different avenue than I ever planned for it to be. Right. So what took you there? <laughs> so... Um, Gosh, so much had happened. Um, Usually it's like a very painful event that yeah. takes somebody to like any sort of healing work. Um, the story behind it, even with like Eckhart Tolle and Byron Katie, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, I was going to hospitalize myself and then I became a healer. Yeah, exactly. Oh. And so there is definitely a lot of like trauma and tragedy and pain. I think that as humans, sometimes that's just part of our condition is that the only way to learn is for us to really go to the end of ourselves and be laid out to then know something has to change or maybe that there's another way. And so for me, it was um, a divorce from a 13-year relationship from when I was 16 to 29. And so there was just so much of my identity, like formative years of who I am and uh, what my goals are has always been thought of like, well, what's good for us, us, us. And so when I went through that divorce, I felt like, you know, it's time for me to do what I've always wanted to do, which is to live in California. And so I did, 
And upon arriving here, I just felt like I was home. Really, the question that kept coming up for me, well, now that I'm here and I don't feel like the pull and the ties to everyone and that life, that lifetime in Chicago, what am I going to do with myself? Like, who am I if I'm not someone's girlfriend or wife? Um, and if yeah, I don't have been to... your whole life. Totally. I mean, 16 is young. Ex- exactly. And you were, sorry, did you move here thinking you were going to teach again? Um, like I actually was, was working for this educational company where I was coaching teachers on just different, um, English and writing and grammar resources, different ways to teach kids that. And so the great thing about that is that I could work from home. And while I was doing that, I was also in Chicago working for that company. And I felt like maybe, there was a calling and really it started because I read The Alchemist, which is a call my lifesaver. And so The Alchemist by Paulo Coelho. And I read that probably two years before I I got divorced. And it triggered something in me that then said, maybe you're meant to be doing something that you've always wanted to do, which actually was to be a talk show host. Like I wanted to be Oprah or Katie Couric. And so, and so, um, I was trying to get like a a counseling position and it just was so difficult for whatever reason. I had so many hookups and it was just so difficult that then finally I was like, okay, well maybe this is my opportunity to do that. I got that educational job where I could work from home. And so someone suggested me taking some like acting classes to see if like what on camera is like and hosting is like. So I did and I fell in love with it and then so started to pursue acting while working for the educational company. So when I moved to California, I was an actor working for that educational company for about six months, then quit and just focused on acting. But while I was focusing on acting, the question that kept coming up and I had an amazing teacher too here who really was very somatic and saying, there's just so much emotion that's being held in, in your body that you're feeling like you need to act a certain way versus just allowing yourself to be. And so with that, I then started to practice Kundalini yoga. And that was through a guy that I was just having fun with. And he was very spiritual, very connected in that way. He's the one who introduced me to so many authors, the Tibetan Book of the Dead and Kundalini Yoga. And so I took a couple classes. I hated it when I first took the class. Took it the second time, was like, what is this phony baloney? And then by the third time, I was just laid out at the end of class in Shavasana and I was bawling. So I knew emotionally there was something there. At the same time that was happening, I went to my first Reiki circle and it was through a friend of mine who I moved from Chicago to California to LA with. And a friend of hers she went to college with was holding these Reiki circles and she's like, this girl has transformed and I think that we should do this. And that girl now is actually one of my best friends. I went to that Reiki circle just completely hungover, (laughs) Um, (laughs) just, you know, um, having heard about Reiki, still kind of like just resistant to it all, but also very open because knowing that I wanted to figure out just me and who I am and what what I enjoy. And I went there and it was immediate, again, very emotional and just felt so connected to everyone and everything. And from there, I just didn't look back. 
And so I really became enthralled in the practice of kundalini yoga as well as Reiki. I also had an amazing somatic therapist and also an amazing acting teacher. So with all of those different teachers and modalities, I really felt like there was a healing that was occurring of mind, body, spirit. And uh, because of that, it gave me this sense of clarity that everything that was around me was connected and the synchronicities of my healing and the way that I needed to confront certain people particularly my ex and my father, um, really helped me to then overcome these kind of like attachments to labels, to identity, to my story of how I was brought up or of what kind of relationship or what I'm worth or what I deserve. And it shed and it just unveiled me. And from there, I just wanted to learn everything about it. So I went through the trainings and the certifications and Did then, you just stop acting? Um, there was a time when afterwards I had to ask myself, like, is this, which one do you want to do? What's feeding you? Like, not only your soul, but what's also like feeding you literally, like what's helping you to eat <laughs> and um, teaching Reiki and teaching uh Kundalini yoga and meditation was feeding me more than acting at that time. And once I made that decision to just really focus on my healing arts practice, then the doors opened up and I was teaching at different studios and working with in privates and sessions and just learning so much. And so really, I mean, that's what led me to it. But I feel like, you know, that divorce was kind of just like a gateway for me to then be able to heal kind of the teaching and the conditioning of how I grew up and to gain perspective of my parents' relationships and to understand that I don't have to live those things out and that I don't have to replay them and that I can really heal from any kind of trauma that I grew up in and that I was experiencing in my relationships and that I have the power to heal that and to rewrite it and to change the script and in doing so, that changes me on a vibrational level, which means that it also can change my relationships for generations after and after and so forth. Right. Oh my God. That was so much amazing information. <laughs> um, but I, I, I mean, similarly for me, you know, Lyme disease really gave me this opportunity to heal everything mm -hmm. from my past because I really wasn't going to get better unless I healed that stuff. Um, so it's interesting the way these seemingly awful situations in life lead us to be our best selves. And similarly for me, like I was never interested in wellness mm -hmm. or healing. Mm -hmm. I was like, go to the doctor, give me antibiotics and let me be done. Yeah. <laughs> um, and now, you know, I'm a, I'm a geek for it all. Like it's fun. So similarly in, in that way. Um, yeah, definitely. It changed the perspective of like, why is this happening to me? And why are you doing this to me? Or why did you do this to me? to then saying, okay, that happened, and now what am I gonna do with this energy or this information or this experience? How can I change it or use it to help me become stronger, more courageous, and open me up to new opportunities and new relationships and new connections right. that are different than what I have experienced with you? 
Right. Yeah. I mean, it's um, somebody once told me that I was a victim of getting bit by a tick, but I was responsible for what I did with mm-hmm. it. Yeah. And it, uh, gave, it empowered me. Like, rather than scaring me and wanting to live in the victimhood, it really empowered me to make my, you know, figurative move to California and, like, change my life. Exactly. Um, So that's really, really, really inspiring. Before we move on, I want to know, what is kundalini? I've only done kundalini a few times. It is kind of weird the first time you do it (laughs) the second time you do it I the first time I did kundalini I was like I'm never it was before I got sick and I was like I'm never doing this shit again Mm -hmm. like this is so fucking weird Mm -hmm. um and then I did it again and then I did it again with you as the teacher and I was already not well and I was like whatever I will do anything at all I will take a kundalini class because one of my friends who healed herself from cancer breast cancer uh, swears by Kundalini. And a lot of people say that it is like the healing yoga, like the yoga to do when you're dealing with chronic illness or trauma or anything. Um, so what, what makes it different? I think there's so much, I think that the foundation of it is the same as all the other yoga practices that exist. The truth is that in India, yoga is yoga. It's in the Western world where we like create different schools and different names of them. Oh. And so there's different, there's aspects of Kundalini yoga in yoga that exists in India. But here, Kundalini yoga involves very specific breath work, meditation, and chanting. The whole purpose of yoga, yes, is that yoke, that union between mind, body, and spirit. But it's very focused on the physical here in the Western world, like a great workout to gain flexibility and, yes, to connect to your breath. and um, It's also a clothing industry. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And there's that, too. I'm not going to say that Kundalini Yoga doesn't, you know, play that into that, too, but... um, but definitely, yeah, There's, it's been a little bit more commercialized and has been taken away from the whole purpose is that the physical exercise is so that you can break down your body's blocks and that trigger your mind to then feel or think, okay, this feels good to me or this doesn't feel good to me and see where your ego goes, where your defense mechanisms or your coping mechanisms are when it becomes difficult and challenging and uncomfortable for you to then break through some of those mental blocks. And once you've done that, that's what all the physical exercise is, then you've connected body to mind and it's in that moment where then you can connect to spirit. And that's where the meditation comes. So the end of yoga, really, there should always be meditation. Because before you meditate, if you could just do some light stretches and do something physical, then you're kind of out of your body and out of your mind. So that then in meditation, you can really connect to this like infinite spirit energy. Wait, out of your body or in your body? So you want to feel out of your body's blocks. Out of your body's yeah. blocks. Yeah. So that you're not like connected to, oh, and the way that I'm sitting, this is achy or that I'm not comfortable in my body mm. and then distracted in your mind. But if you do a little bit of physical exercise prior to meditation, you probably will meditate and find relaxation and peace because you've actually worked out a little bit. Right. So you've exhausted yourself a little bit to the point where then in meditation, you're so relaxed. And that's really the point of yoga. 
And what is it about Kundalini Yoga Kundalini that makes it for yes. people like me yeah. or when I was sick or now? Yeah, or anyone who's I love just healing. ready. Yeah. I and, love anything that has to do with like emotional, mental, physical healing. So like Kundalini is probably my sure. deal. Yeah, definitely. And a lot of people don't realize it when they go into it like myself. Um, and so Kundalini Yoga again, uses that physical aspect. Um, in a different way, it's not like a flow movement. Sometimes it'll flow from one movement to the next, but it's repetitive movements and timed for specific times as well. So you could be doing one movement or holding a specific posture or pose for minutes, three minutes, 11 minutes, sometimes 31 minutes, sometimes 62 minutes. Oh. And it's in that time <laughs> that then you really are triggering your mind. Because then this is a, a game of kind of like, where will you allow your mind to go? And who are you going to give that power to? Like you choose who and what you give power to. Are you going to give it to that distracting thought or that coping mechanism? Watch where you go. How do you defend yourself when you're uncomfortable? And instead of going into that old script of, I can't do this. I can't believe I can't hold my arms up. What's wrong with me? Or like, this is bullshit. Why am I even in this class? Like all those different stories Instead of going to that place, which is a neural pathway that's firing when you feel uncomfortable, you realize, okay, that's my defense and that's my coping mechanism or fight or flight, which is necessary. Like if you're about to get hit by a bus, you need fight or flight. You need to survive. Mm -hmm. But there's often in life we feel like we're going to get hit by a bus, but it's emotional. It's not physical. And so we go into this fight or flight place and that's our neural pathway, like our sympathetic nervous system. It's there for a reason. But then when we can actually breathe, so using specific breath work, like in Kundalini Yoga, and allow ourselves to go into our parasympathetic nervous system, which is rest and relaxation, even when there's challenge and discomfort, what we're starting to do is create a new neural pathway so that when challenges occur, we don't go into this chaotic, I need to survive, fight or flee. I go into, okay, let me rest and relax and let me gain some perspective. And the thing about Kundalini is that you're in the posture for long enough yes, to, to have, trigger that for you. To have it, to recognize it, and to change it. Yes. Whereas in a lot of the yoga classes we're taking, we're just moving. In it for a moment. Yeah. Which is our nature as humans. We're just constantly spinning and orbiting on this planet. Mm -hmm. So it's that's what we know how to do. Like we just know how to move move, 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 and keep moving. If you're not moving, then you're not doing, you're not living. And the fact is that we are living just by being still. We're constantly evolving. By the time that we finish this podcast, the world has changed. We have changed on a molecular level. But how we embrace those changes is the difference. How we respond to those challenges and those changes and the evolution is what makes the difference. And so with Kundalini Yoga, they give you tools to then embrace whatever that changes, whatever that challenge, whatever you're feeling, use breath, use mantra. So chanting is a really big component of Kundalini Yoga too. And, um, and then in doing so, you've worked that out so that you go into meditation, that then you feel this boundlessness, this infinite vastness, that you're more than just your body, you're more than just your mind, you really feel like you are in this place of unlimited possibility. And honestly, that's this is the only yoga that I've ever experienced that with. 
And I've been practicing vinyasa since I was 18, not religiously, like not like pragmatically, but have been around it. Totally just looked at it as just a physical aspect. Didn't start meditating until I moved here. And it's completely changed my life and my connection to me, to my family, my relationships, to everyone, to the earth, yeah, to animals, to plants, to everything. Mm. Yeah. And I've definitely done a lot of yoga for, for the exercise. And, um, I, you know, for me in those pauses, when I get enough time to watch the thoughts come up and, and they say that like thoughts you're having on your mat are the same that you're having out Mm -hmm. there. So this is a place to work it out. Exactly. Um, but you really don't get that opportunity in a lot of yoga classes. So I, for me, I get a lot of competitiveness, competition stuff come up, which Mm -hmm. comes up for me outside world, a lot of comparison, a lot of self-esteem issues, a lot of, um, being hard on myself. Uh, and it's so good for me to have a place to learn, to breathe through that. But I really, I feel like you're really inspiring me actually to go back to Kundalini because I'm like, what a great idea to like, I just do yoga at home now, but like Mm -hmm. that, um, don't, don't you all just want to take class with Amy? (laughs) I'd love that. You're so special. (laughs) So I, so yeah, so I, I don't know. I just wanted to share about some of the things that come up on the map for me because it can be hard. I've, I've been meditating for years and years. Like it, uh, that's the only reason why I know what thoughts are happening in my head. Absolutely. And you know, I think it's great to combine both. I still go to vinyasa classes when I really feel like I just want to be embodied, like just feel my physical self Mm -hmm. and feel that sweat and just really feel my physicality. I think it's a great grounding practice um, that complements kundalini yoga really well. So it's not by any means that you have to then marry one school of yoga. You take them all. They all have such beautiful aspects that connect to you. In um, Kundalini Yoga, I feel like they just really give you tools so that you can use it off the mat. And I say this in my class too, so that we call it practice for a reason. So you show up and you practice, and the practice is for the world outside of that studio, off of that mat, outside of that sanctuary, so that the practice becomes your life. And so you use the mantras when you are stuck in traffic and you feel like you are just frustrated or you receive news that just is jarring. And instead of going into those old ways of coping and defending that may be create negative consequences for you that you know is not going to be healthy for you, can you then start to create that new neural pathway, use your breath, use mantra and it's, and that's why, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, no, exactly. And that's, then you actually are applying it in your real life. And that's why it's great for people that have chronic illness and, totally. and, or, and, or illness and, or chronic pain because yeah, and we, addiction and addiction, because we cannot afford to get carried away with traffic and with, um, you know, a painful conversation. Mm-hmm. Like we cannot afford to tax our bodies and stress our bodies in that way. So like 
getting tools, as many tools as you can collect when you are healing from something serious, like go collect them. Absolutely. And you know, you mentioned that Kundalini is weird. I mean, it is. And I think it's meant to be for a reason. I mean, you put yourself in these situations and you're holding it for like three minutes or you're walking around the room while holding your ankles. It's like, it's, <laughs> it's definitely bizarre. I mean, we call ourselves sometimes Kundalini's for a reason. And I think it's kind of like your daily dose of weird and that, you know, if you connected to and got through that moment, that then you're open to whatever life is going to give you because you did your like daily dose of strange. Right. I love that. And what a good opportunity to look at what kind of thoughts you have around doing weird shit. Yeah. Like like the self-consciousness you mentioned. Yeah. Like what comes up for you and why. And like, you know, it gives you an opportunity to connect to that inner child and that playful and the not taking anything too seriously. Definitely. Too. And what's also beautiful about the practice, majority of the time that your eyes are closed. So it's really focusing on yourself as your greatest resource. You're going deep within, not looking around, seeing like, how is someone holding that pose better than me? You really are just feeling your subtle energy. You're feeling you and how it's impacting you. And you're modifying however feels right for you. You're not stuck on the way it's supposed to look or the way it's supposed to feel. You're just feeling yourself and taking that kind of journey within you that it can be difficult when our eyes are open because we're receiving like 2 million stimuli a second is what they say. Oh my God, we are. I mean, when I go from closing my eyes to opening them and like watching what happens in my brain when I open my eyes, mm-hmm. it's unbelievable. You know, it's so much information at once. Exactly. Um, But you said that we are our own greatest resources, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Probably more eloquently than I just said it. I think it's exactly how I said it. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) okay. And I think that you had mentioned that that is uh, something you think people need to heal Mm -hmm. or something you're passionate about with wellness, that we are our own greatest resources. And I agree completely. Mm -hmm. Um, But can you talk more about that? Maybe tell us an experience you've had where you've really followed your inner guidance system and um, maybe to empower listeners that it's not as scary because it feels very scary to follow your intuition and do what you think is best for you. Oh, definitely. I think that naturally we are healers, like the greatest healer, the best healer, our own medicine, our own remedy. And I really learned that through practicing Reiki because Reiki, very simplified way of understanding it is just being able to heal yourself through touch, by holding, by using your hands. And we do it all the time. Like you probably have done it today. The listener is here. You've definitely probably done it today or yesterday. And some examples of that is like you hit your funny bone or you stub your toe. And the first thing you're going to do is hold yourself. You're not going to run and get an ice pack or grab an aspirin or a Tylenol or a painkiller. You're going to hold yourself. And just by holding yourself, it's going to feel better. Or you have a stomach ache, you have a headache, you hold your head in your hands, you rub your belly, and it just feels better. Instinctually, innately, you know that holding yourself, touching yourself, is going to heal you, is going to comfort you. And that's a physical example, but also emotionally, if you know, a friend, someone you know, someone you don't even know is hurting emotionally, you feel compelled to want to give them a hug, to hold their hand, to put your hand on their back. And you can feel their energy 
that makes them feel better. They're comforted by that. They like melt into that. And you feel good doing that and sharing that with them. But then you've also been on the other end of receiving it when you have gone through a tough time and someone comes up to you and holds you or holds your hand. And maybe you haven't even said anything and they do that and you're like, thank you, I needed that. And so we all are innately these compassionate, comforting, loving beings through touch. We are each other's medicine, our own medicine. And you could even see it in little children who are not taught that, that when they chip and fall, they hold themselves. And what's the first thing we do when we see a child fall? We don't get an ice pack and get some medicine. We run to them. We hold them. We want to kiss their boo-boo. And so we are our own greatest medicine and remedy and for each other too. But we just don't think of it that way. We don't. But now I do. (laughs) (laughs) It's just unconscious, right? It's just innately instinctual. It's what we do. But when we can really look at it that way and then start to consciously bring the healing and take our healing into our own hands, literally, then there's an empowerment that occurs. And we start to open ourselves up to the natural remedies that exist within us and the earth in the plants and the medicine that exists all around us and that it's not just one way to be able to do it. It's integrative. There are many ways to do it. And what's affecting you physically is affecting you emotionally, is affecting you mentally, energetically, spiritually. They all are connected. Like they're not mutually exclusive. You can't be affected physically and it not affect you emotionally or mentally. And so when we realize that too, And we start to connect the different aspects of ourselves and start to heal that or uh, gain a better understanding of how it could become well and better and connected to each other, then we're whole and complete versus just focusing on the physical healing, which is also a very Western way of healing. It's not holistic. It's just physical. And so... And being your own greatest healer, you're taking it in your own hands and uh, and really integrating all different aspects. That's brilliant. I love that about being... So, so the weekly challenge this week, guys, is um, on that note to do three minutes of self-Reiki, conscious breathing and or chanting. So this seems like a great opportunity to talk about self-Reiki. Yeah. Um, how... How do we do that? <laughs> you already know how to, right? And all right. those examples. You I know. Do it. I mean, it's like we're so ooh, we're so smart, and our bodies are so intelligent, mm-hmm. and we don't we get in the way mm-hmm. is what we end up doing with yeah. our with our mind and our thoughts and the ideas that we hear around. But on top of what you're saying, like our bodies actually want to heal. That was so helpful for me on the road to healing to know that my body wanted to heal and could heal and was made to heal absolutely um it's second it's second nature for they're so resilient right so and our minds and to know that like my intuition and like how to care for myself is probably right um and just this idea like last week's weekly challenge was about taking care of your inner child Mm. so really really like taking care of yourself like you're that little person. So when, when I think about self-reiki, yeah, the first thing I think is like give myself a, a hug. That's and really just, all it is. That right. is exactly what self-reiki is. It's just giving yourself a hug. It's just loving on yourself the way that you would when someone's sad or needs a hug and you go and you hold them. Can you do that for yourself? 
And can you hold yourself and say, you've come a long way. I'm here for you. I love you. You're going to be okay. I feel that you're hurting, but I've got you. I support you. I love you. And to hold yourself in that loving way, the way that you do for others, so healing. And to allow yourself to really feel that and to really receive it. And it doesn't take much because you know it. You hold your funny bone, you rub your leg when it's asleep, whatever it is, and it helps. So then when you consciously do it, it's even more powerful because it has intention. It's so much more profound. And so I say three minutes, but really it could just be three breaths that you're even doing it because then you're consciously saying, I'm holding myself. And this is what's important too, is that we also have to reframe when to take care and to love ourselves, that it doesn't always have to be when we're hurting or we're sick. Mm. And that's the thing about it is that I don't want you to then hold yourself because, oh, I'm sick or I'm not feeling well or I'm emotional. You hold yourself and love yourself just because. Just because. Just because you're here and you exist. And every part of you from head to toe wants your love, wants love, wants to be held and comforted and have affection and attention. So it doesn't have to be like, oh, I had a great day, so I don't need to hold myself and love myself. No, it's (laughs) only going to make it better. Right. Right. And so just hold yourself regardless. So I say the best time of the day to do this is just to start your day with it. Before you get out of bed, Place your hands on any part of you. All parts of you want to receive it. And just really hold your shoulders, hold your hand, hold your chest, hold your head, and really love that aspect of you. And that's all you need to do. And then that becomes part of a practice every day that you wake up just starting to love yourself, feeling good in your body, feeling that you've given yourself some attention and some affection. And see how positively that affects your day versus starting your day with like, okay, now what do I have to do and where do I have to go? Taking that moment just to sit down and love yourself. I love that. Do you mind if we dumb down the weekly challenge and make it just just the self-reiki? Yeah. And take it? Because I just love that, starting the day like that, just for a week and like, let's see how it goes, guys. Definitely. Um, I am excited to try yeah. starting my day like that. Yeah. And you can even, you know, include just a breath that while you're holding yourself, just inhale that love and that peace and exhale anything known or unknown that's keeping you from being able to really receive that love or to give that love. Mm. And just maybe just make it three breaths and that's it. So simple. And you could do it even while you're driving. You could do it at the airport. You could do it while sitting, waiting for your appointment, whatever it is. You could do it anytime and no one, no one knows. It is a more <laughs> productive way to spend your time than social media scrolling. I think. Definitely. I think. Yes. Um, so I love that. So that's our weekly challenge, guys. Um, in the morning, do self-reiki for three breaths or three minutes. Yeah. Um, but what is it? So, but you're a Reiki master teacher. So I know Reiki isn't that simple, but mm-hmm. <laughs> you do believe that we're all healers, mm-hmm. right? Um, which I love about you. Like you're so humble in so many ways. You don't come, you guys should all know Amy. Um, <laughs> so you, what do you do in a session? What makes, I mean, what makes what you do so much more than that? Mm. Uh, well, when someone comes in for an, uh, a session, we just talk about what's bringing them there. It could be just sheer curiosity, but chances are there's an intention. There's something 
that's occurring. And so we'll talk about that. We'll talk about the emotional aspects of it that are connected to the physical, connected to the mental, uh, maybe shine some light and gaining perspective that it's beyond than just what you're experiencing now, that it's a symptom of a root cause and see if maybe we can get to that root cause because then when you do, then you're able to make peace with that root cause, which then creates kind of like this ripple effect into the symptom that is occurring today. And so in that we set the intention and typically you lay down and I also use crystals for the session. And um, I lay specific crystals along your energetic centers known as your chakras. And um, then I go into the Reiki. And so Reiki can be hands-on or hovering over. And it really is just that. I'm basically hugging the different parts of where my hands are going and just sending loving, healing light, like the way that I would if I'm just giving you a hug to greet you. It's that same feeling, but with intention um, of what you came in with. So say you came in and you're like, I want clarity, I want peace, I want um, to be focused. So that's what I'm thinking over and over as I'm just energetically being led to the different areas of you. And what I mean by energetically being led, it kind of feels like for me and everyone experiences differently, it's kind of like a magnet and that energy is flowing through me and just kind of finding its ways to where it needs to go. In that moment, then, I'm kind of opening myself up as an instrument for this loving, healing energy. And sometimes messages come through, whether it's intuitively or sometimes I see spirit animals and animals have certain messages. You did for me. I did. We <laughs> saw a flamingo, you guys, and they are my spirit animal. They so are. And that's something I wanted to say is that you're really intuitive. So while you're doing these sessions, or at least for me, when we came out of it and all of the, the insights that you that we talked about you having after the session, they, they really stuck with me and helped me to move forward. So I think, you know, when you find someone intuitive and that really can tap into what's going on mm -hmm. for you, it's so validating and important and it can really help you set yourself up on a new path to, to your ultimate healing wellness. Yeah, and definitely I, I, I can't say that it's something that I even really fully understand how it happens or how that works. The messages that I receive, the only way that I can think of it is in doing the work and continuously doing the work, just because you have the label as like a master of anything, it only means that then you have to learn more <laughs> because truly you have a big responsibility in, in being a student first. And really that's what Yogi Bhajan, who brought Kundalini Yoga to the West from India, he says a teacher is a student first. And so you're learning even more so when you've come to like that quote unquote master level, you never stop learning ever. And so for me, I think that the more that I've been practicing, the more that I'm sharing the teachings of Kundalini Yoga and Reiki, the more of a responsibility I have to really practice what I preach. And so I have to be giving myself Reiki. I have to be meditating. I have to be practicing and really keeping kind of like a clean instrument and being a clean vessel so that this energy can come through and, and not feel like I'm attached to it or it's attached to me or that it has to have a certain outcome. It really just has, I'm like a bridge in that mm. way. And 
anyone can do this. It's everyone is given this gift of intuitive ability, intuition, and of healing. And it's just like the way that I describe it is just like a singer or an actor or a musician, a writer, a, a painter. You're given these gifts. And the only way to really fine tune that is to practice it, is to actually do it. And then you might find, whoa, I can sing a completely different octave. I can write a different genre. I didn't know I could paint that way. And it's the same thing with this gift that you've been given with intuition and as a healer. And the more that you practice it and the more that you use it with purpose and intention, the stronger it'll become. Mm. And I think that's, that's basically what has occurred for me and just really focusing and practicing it so that it's opened me up in this way that I can get these kind of messages that connect and have synchronicities with you and, um, and, and really are making a difference. And so I'm I'm always in awe of it. I really don't, I feel like I stand back and it just comes through and I'm always like, wow, this is amazing. Oh my God. I'll never stop being in awe of it. So I have a fire round few questions for you um, before we have to wrap up because there are some things I really want to know. Okay. Because my audience is mainly people with chronic illness or, or pain or injury or people that are very interested in their health and wellness. Um, Tell me top crystals that people should be using for these things. Yes. And so one is definitely rose quartz. That's the love stone. And when you have that energy of love, love heals. Also citrine is known as the happy stone. Joy is also the number one healer. It um, opens you up to confidence, to courage, um, to your personal power, connecting to your gut instincts to know what's right for you and for your body and your mind and your spirit. So citrine is excellent too. Another one I recommend would be um, smoky quartz. And smoky quartz is kind of like a, it's, it's a smoky colored kind of like grayish, but with a little bit of aspects of clear quartz. And that one helps to take in, take on any kind of negative feelings, energies, toxicity, sickness, illness, and then to transmute it into clear energy, clear light. And where should we put these? So oh, can I actually share one? Yeah, more of course. Yeah, Sorry. yeah. One is just like, you can't believe you forgot about me. And so <laughs> one is selenite and selenite oh. is a white, uh, it's crystal stone. It can kind of be flaky a little bit. And that one is really great, particularly for insomnia. It's super soothing for anything. You never have to cleanse it. It actually helps to cleanse all the other stones. It brings everything into just peace and pure light. And so that those top four. Amazing. And so to place them, place them wherever it is that you're feeling that ache or pain. On your body. On your body. Okay. Yes. Um, so definitely you can place them there, sleep with them, place them under your pillow, underneath your bed, take them with you, uh, take them with you whenever you're going to your doctor's appointments and uh, use them, hold them in your hand, place them in your pockets. And just by being in their energy, they are raising your vibration. They are in a more stable ionic form than we are, but they're also made of the same atoms with the same protons, neutrons, electrons spinning around them, giving off a very specific frequency. And so too are we. So we have these different hertz that we are vibrating at different frequencies. If you think of yourself as an instrument that has different strings, your chakras, your energetic centers are like these different strings. And sometimes they just need a tune-up. 
Mm-hmm. Right. And sometimes one goes out of tune. And maybe that one that's going out of tune is where your chronic pain is or where your illness is. And it needs to be tuned up. You could use food, you could use aromatherapy, you could use sound, but you can also use these crystals that are vibrating in a specific frequency. So just by being in their atmosphere, they're already tuning you up. Cool. Then you can also, except for the selenite, the ones that I suggested, you could also place them in a glass of water and either in a tea bag or then take the crystal out and drink the water and then you created like a crystal tonic. Ooh, yeah. I like that idea. <laughs> That's my favorite one. Um, I have a huge thing of selenite. That should just go like in my bedroom or something. Yeah, definitely just under somewhere your bed, under next my to your bed. bed or just in your room. Great. Um, next fire question. Okay. A book or two books that you think somebody who's healing should read. So definitely The Alchemist. And so that one is just all about the journey and really will open you up to that. But also for healing specifically is You Can Heal Your Life by Louise Hay. It's one of my favorites. And it's, it's on, and her story is just so inspiring too. And her really embracing her breast cancer and healing it holistically, but integratively, but understanding that what was occurring to her physically has an emotional source and in healing the emotional source, then it healed the physical. So for her, it was cancer and it was what was eating her inside. Mm. Like what was eating her up that then was creating that disease. And so by understanding what that was, the anger, the resentment, guilt that she was carrying with her and in healing that, then it also was able to heal the cancer. So she wrote this book, that has basically a whole glossary of physical symptoms and the emotional sources and then affirmations that you can use. So when you're giving yourself your three breaths to three minute of Reiki, and if you were to have bought that book, it's also, I think, even like an app now. And everything's she an app She is like now. an empire. Right, Louise exactly. Hay, though, has yes. a Hay House. It's exactly. an empire. <laughs> and she passed away last year. Yeah. And she's, um, I mean, has an impact on us forever. And so... Um, Look up whatever it is that is ailing you, whatever you're experiencing right now, and then use that affirmation while you're holding yourself. Mm, I love that. Um, Okay, and then the last one is two or three main suggestions to people with uh, chronic illness. So I say... Definitely look at all aspects of yourself. You're a multifaceted being. Look at yourself like this crystal and each part of like that window of that crystal looking outwards needs to be polished and cleared. And so not just physically, emotionally, mentally, energetically, spiritually, do things that uh, are out of that wheelhouse or that box of the medical healing model. And you might find that then in doing so, you're breaking open these new ways of you to be able to connect yourself as a healer and connecting to new connections and opportunities. And that alone will start a change, a change in whatever it is that is sitting within you and blocking, creating that stagnation. And that movement then will encourage that evolution, will encourage that healthy shift and um, really help you to gain perspective in your wholeness and creating that balance. And so really look into all the different aspects of you and do something that you feel is like so far out there and weird and wacky. Um, It's necessary because Mm -hmm. it's time to kind of break out of whatever that ailment, that disease, that sickness in um, kind of categorizing you or labeling you as that. 
really take it in your own hands and, and love on every different facet of yourself. Oh, I love it. You are not the first person to give that answer. <laughs> not, the, not the same answer, but like the look at all facets of yourself 100%. answer. Yeah, you're um, more than just a physical being. So you guys, it's like that comes back pretty much overwhelmingly as the vote. And it's the worst thing for a person with chronic illness. That is like so not what we want to hear mm-hmm. until suddenly you want to hear it. Yeah. <laughs> but like up until, <laughs> up until then, you're like, fuck that. Give me a medicine. For sure. And I, I mean, I do. I I understand that. And I, you know, it's kind of like the matrix, like blue pill or red pill. And even then when he takes the pill, he has to undergo all of these changes and also acceptance of the life that he's living and Mm. the veil of it all. And so that's, that's part of it. That's all part of the healing. It's just, it's so important that you understand yourself and the different depths and dimensions and how beautiful you are. And in that, in all those different ways of yourself and facets and dimensions of yourself, but the only way that you could do that is to really do that work that's beyond just taking a pill. Yeah. I agree, obviously, completely, and that's why not everybody wants to work with me or talk to me because it's not fun. Right, but I mean, that one pill can help one symptom, but again, because you're multifaceted, you have multi-symptoms, and so that pill will help with one aspect, but not all. So one pill can be called yoga, another pill could be breath work. Right, right, right. You guys, Amy is amazing. I feel so lucky to have been able to work with her. And if you're in LA or anywhere, really, you can reach out and, and get a session. You can find Amy on Altered Space, A-L-T-A-R-E-D-S-P-A-C-E on Instagram and Facebook. And I will also link to her email below, amy.bello at alteredspace.com. But there will be a link with the exact spelling, etc. Uh, thank you so much for coming on and sharing all of that wisdom and love. You're such a love with us. And um, you guys, get on it. Keep me posted on your self, self-reiki. I'm so excited about it. I'm also going to go buy some rose quartz. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me. Truly, you're an inspiration too. And just seeing your growth and transformation, how inspiring you are to your listeners. Honestly, you are a teacher and you're a healer. And so thank you for sharing your gift. Thank you. Bye, guys. Bye.